We've made it all the way to just a week before Christmas. It's been a crazy, crazy year in Philippine football. Now we've got an opportunity to look back at it all and crown some of the standouts of the year, Chris. Yeah, uh, we, we love doing award ceremonies uh, at, at my club, as, uh, as we spoke about in the intro. So we thought we'd do our own version. I'm normally suited and booted. I'm, I normally get as, as dressed up as possible uh, when I do my, uh, my award ceremonies. So um, uh, doing it from the confines of my home is, is slightly different. But um, nonetheless, I think it's important that we, we celebrate although it was a short season, some of the things that went down in, in the Philippine football world this season, because um, I think people deserve a mention. You know, those, those, those individuals that have um, really worked diligently to put the league together, um, to put their clubs together, you know, they, they definitely deserve to be, um, you know, made aware of and, and let the public know that we, we appreciate what they've done. So, yeah, we thought we'd, uh, we'd bestow a little bit of... Um, yeah, a little season's greetings to, and extend that to these, uh, to these individuals and um, maybe even debate over some of them as well, which I think will be, uh, will be always, it's always fun to argue with you a little bit on the show. <laughs> Normally, it's, it's already set who the nominees are. Uh, this time around, we get an opportunity to throw in some of our personal um, selections as well. Uh, some of them might be consensus, some of them maybe not, and uh, hopefully there'll be a little bit of a discussion as to um, who deserves to be a part of the final list of nominees, and then we will decide who will be our winner. All right, sounds fair? Let's get going. Let's crack on with it. Yeah, let's get on with it. Let's go. Who let's, you got? let's begin with the newcomer of the year. I think okay. that, that is quite fitting. Um, this award goes to a first-year player in the Philippines Football League. All right, so not necessarily um, a rookie in a sense that he's young, but a first-time player in the league. All right, so... Um, let's throw out the nominees, shall we? Uh, Chris, you want to start with, with, with your list of newcomers or shall I? Well, you go, you go first. I think for me, there's one that really stands out. I think it's quite an obvious one. I think it will be consensus, but, but who have you got? Okay. On your um, first and foremost, from Trinidad and Tobago, Carlisle Mitchell. I think he did a fantastic job. Uh, really shoring up the defense of Kaya FC Luilo. So he definitely is my first pick on this list. Uh, you've got Harvey Gayoso, um, spectacular first season in the PFL, in the top flight of Philippine football, earned himself a contract abroad. As a result of that, we've got uh, his teammate, uh, who is here as well, Anthony Pintus. Um, might edge out Matthew Custodio. I don't know how you feel about this. And I'm going to throw out one last guy from Maharlika FC, MJ Libre. Uh, you know, raised a lot of eyebrows, um, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Stefan Schrock, and uh, was really a talking point for a lot of the matches. So those are four nominees from me. Chris, you want to add any more? Yeah, I think the... I mean, for, for me, Harvey Garoso is, is the obvious pick. Um, I think he had a great season, obviously came in with a lot of fanfare. We had him on the show and we spoke a lot about his collegiate experiences and, and obviously he spent a little bit of time with the national team, uh, both with the Suzuki Cup what was, what, two years ago now. Mm. Um, and then obviously in the Sea Games campaign. Um, but to really show that progression that he's had from the collegiate um, setup into the professional realm, which is always something we, we sort of debated whether or not he would be able to transfer um, well into the professional game. And, and he's done so in, in such an incredible fashion. I mean, like, like 
playing in different positions in the SEA Games, which was uh, much debated online, social media, et cetera. And then again, you know, being deployed in, in different positions, different um, and in a different way. And yet he still managed to put in some electrifying performances. And uh, obviously, uh, as Scott alluded to, when he came on the podcast, he's on, on the cusp of a move to Thailand. Um, so, that, you know, that, that's incredibly exciting for him. So I think he was, for me, the, the obvious pick when that uh, award was, was up. And I think he, he, he'd be someone who I think would be very much at the forefront of most people's minds. Um, I know you mentioned Matty Custodio. I think he's another one who was highlighted um, in, in both our shows and, and in, in the interview that we had with Scott. So there's, there's two obvious ones from, from ADT. Uh, and then the other one who's maybe even ADT could claim, which is, which is Pintus. I mean, he's, he had a tremendous uh, campaign with, uh, with UCFC, obviously going on loan from ADT. Mm. Um, I think he's someone who could really, really challenge potentially um, for the number one spot with, with the national team. Um, you know, obviously Neil and, and, and Michael, that they, they might have certain issues with their, with their clubs getting back for certain competitions. Um, you know, I mean, if we look at like Patrick Dato, for example, um, he did the same, you know, he, he managed to feature in, in a Suzuki cup when Neil wasn't eligible to, um, to travel out. You saw in the Asian cup, Neil wasn't able to travel out. Uh, Michael Falkersgaard came in. So I think, you know, Anthony Pintus is someone who, who very much has got a great opportunity of either you know, being a handy deputy or potentially if he does produce some stellar performances here in, in a local league, you know, either potentially breaking into that national team squad or, or even looking to potentially get a move abroad, you know. So for me, those three were definitely the, the three on, um, on my list who, who I had in mind for, for sort of newcomer. Um, and then, and then we, we, we sort of mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, off, off camera, Clark Carlisle had a, had a great, um, great season. Clark um, Carlisle, sorry. Um, first name, sorry. Carlisle. Um, Mitchell. Mitchell. Uh, Carlisle yeah. Mitchell. Clark Carlisle is, is another centre-back. Um, 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 Mitchell, uh, he's, he's sort of a throwback centre-back and the likes of which we haven't really seen in this league for a while. I mean, obviously we've had um super herrera but he's even he's quite a cultured um you know center back um i mean he had he had his moments but i always felt like he, his physicality wasn't of the ilk of say a fabian lewis for example or or, or some of the more uh wacko canyas the more sort of aggressors that we we were kind of more used to seeing here in, in, in the philippines and that, that's not doing a disservice to, to carlisle like I think he, he, he's decent on the ball, but it's nice to have someone who I think is a defender's defender and seeing them operate in, in the league again. So I think he's someone who, um, certainly in terms of the foreign signings, the, the newcomers, he, he was definitely one that was at the top of my list. So uh, for me, with those four, um, I think we, we'll have to sort of debate and uh, figure out who we will give as our Newcomer of the Year award. Oof. I'm going to choose Harvey. Yeah, I think, I think, I think so. you know, my bias is on Carlisle. Obviously, I'm from Kaya. Um, I love the way he, he, he made an impact immediately. And not only on the pitch, but as a leader as well, because I know a little bit about the behind-the-scenes stuff, so I know how big of an impact he's made. But the scrutiny that was on Harvey Galloso this year, um, always, there's always scrutiny behind him. But first season in the top flight, being asked to play multiple positions, as you said, Rode the pressure, no problem. Um, 
performed every single area of the pitch where he was asked to play in and to get a contract abroad the way he was hoping to do. Um, everything worked perfectly for him in his first year. And um, it, it bodes well for his future. And I think uh, he definitely deserves uh, some recognition this year. So my newcomer is Harvey Day also. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. Um, and I think, obviously, if you're looking at it over sort of 12 months, I mean, it's almost, we could almost include the SEA Games in that, you know what I mean? <laughs> when we think about the actual uh, his body of work over the past sort of 13, 14 months, um, I, I think, especially given the pressure that he's been under and, and the, the capacity um, to perform uh, in, in various functions, I think for me, just highlighted what uh, what great talent we've got on our hands. So, no, I'd agree with that. I, I think that's uh, I think that's a good pick, and um, you know, I think those other guys have got time on their side. Maybe not so much Carlisle. Maybe we we'll get him on the show. And we'll, we'll unpack his career. I know he's had a really interesting career yeah. playing against the likes of Lionel Messi and uh, and whatnot with the, with the national team. So maybe we we'll have a chance to get through his his sort of backstory at a later stage. And the other, but the other guys, I think they've got time on their hands also to. Um, you know, to continue to develop their careers. But I think in terms of just this particular season, yeah, I go with that. I go with Harvey for Newcomer of the Year. All right. First award done with Harvey Gayoso, our Newcomer of the Year, which leads us over to our next award, the Breakout Star of the Year. Now, this award goes to the individual who really made an impact, who really turned some heads, right? Potentially somebody who was floating under the radar, who really made a name for himself this year in 2020, which, of course, we have to note, has been a difficult year in terms of preparation. So um, if you come into a shortened season and you really perform, that shows that you've been committed, even during the downtime, right? So um, let's name some breakout stars, shall yeah, we? Yeah, I, mean, I, I struggle with this one a little bit. I, I came up with one name. I think you had a few more and you wouldn't tell me who they were. Mm. Um, so for me, Kinshira Daniels is the obvious pick. You know, right. I think he's, he's someone who's come from um, a very tumultuous cu last couple of years. Obviously, we had him on the podcast last week and he talked to us a little bit about some of the experiences he's had during that period. I mean, we've got injury, we've got unsuccessful trials, we've got um, issues we talked about in his personal life. So, you know, he's had a really difficult um, couple of years and... Um, obviously this year has been hard for everyone, but I think he's someone who's been really chomping at the bit to, to get his football back on track. And um, I know he's been working diligently in that off period and, and trying to get himself as fit as possible. And, and the manifestation of that was obviously his performances in, in, in the competition, the PFL 2020 season. So, um, you know, he, he demonstrated electric pace. You know, he hasn't lost a, you know, a yard, which is, which is something you're always worried about when you get an injury. He seems to be... Um, as quick as ever, which is great. He seems to have put on a bit of size, you know, definitely been in the gym. And we, again, he spoke about that on the podcast. So um, he's been very diligent about his, his workouts in the gym. Um, and then, and then obviously goals and, and, and as a provider, you know, he, he operated um, well within the function of the car unit. And I think the only negative that he will probably have is actually that the fact that Kai weren't able to to bring home the title and, and were quite underwhelming in a couple of those quite demoralizing draws that they picked up when really they should have they should have been pushing to try to at least challenge UCFC for for that title and at least bring it to the final game which ultimately they weren't able to do so um, I mean he, he was the first one that came to mind with, with, with that one I think he's someone who has risen as a, like a phoenix from the flames and uh, I think has, has very much put himself in, in um, 
you know, in, in the spotlight, you know, potentially for a national team call up or, um, you know, at least sort of putting himself back in that frame, which I know he desperately wants to do. So f- for me, he's, he's had a breakout season and, and certainly was the first person who sprung to mind when you mentioned that category, Jing. And in a new position, uh, relatively for everybody in the Philippine football public, right? I mean, they know him as a, a winger. They know him as a, a right back or left back. Uh, but he did it up front, up top, and um, to great effect, as you said. So definitely on my list as well, Kenshiro Daniels. Um, I'd like to throw in Mardiano in there. Played one season already in the PFL, which excludes him from the newcomer of the year. But... Goodness me, uh, talk about assured performances from a young man who there weren't a lot of expectations um, on, right? There were, uh, he came from UE in the UAAP, and it's not exactly the, a team that people look to as a provider of stars, but he has been earmarked by Scott Cooper himself as a person who he relies on as um, a, a real, how should you say, foundation in their defense and somebody that he feels is going to get picked up abroad as well. So Mardiano on this list um, gave up one goal to Kenshiro Daniels, but I thought outside of that, tremendous, tremendous, uh, that young man. Also, I think you, I think also, so we move on to the next one. I think you, you deserve a little bit of praise for this because he, he wasn't even on my radar at all. Uh, I think until the SEA Games and you picked him out relatively early in that competition. He was like, wow, this kid is, has, has got something. So I think you also deserve a bit of props because you're the one who brought him onto my radar sort of 14 months ago and I think since then he, he's just gone from strength to strength and again like like Scott was saying on his podcast with us he's someone who's potentially you know looking at suitors from Thailand as well and if he can get a move I mean that would be just tremendous for you know homegrown development for the pathway of, of the local players here and um, yeah so so I've got to give you a little bit of praise for, for putting him on my radar and uh, I think, like you said, he, did, he had a great job. I, I wouldn't even consider him for this category because I forgot they'd even played for uh, for Mendiola before. So that's a great, um, yeah, great addition for this category. I'd agree with that one. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit lucky because I, I, I've been calling the UAP games as well. And you know, UE, I, like I said, is not they're not turning any heads. But man, he put in some great performances in UE. So I already had a little bit of an eye on him, and to see him perform the SEA games was like okay. I wasn't wrong, right? And then, obviously, he's proven us correct one more time here in the PFL. He yeah. just keeps going forward. So, it, it shows that his mentality is strong as well. Now, it's hard to, to, to have an award and only have two nominees, so I wanted to add one last. Um, at least three per category. And I was wondering whether I would put Hikaru Minigishi um, or Marvin Angeles. Those are the two guys that, for me, really turned um, some heads or, or raised my eyes. Um, Marvin, because normally he's not such a midfield general, normally pretty quiet. You've coached him in the past. That mm. uh, would allow somebody like Masanario Mura to really dictate things. But with Masanari out, Mar- Marvin really stepped up to the plate. Uh, I think he raised his game tremendously, especially since I saw him play during the AFC Cup earlier in the year. And to see that Marwin and the Marwin in the PFL was almost night and day. So for me, um, perhaps deserving of a special mention. And for Minigishi, um, I thought he was tremendous on the left flank for UCFC. Might not have the statistics to back that up, but every time he went down the left flank, I thought, wow, he's going to cut apart this team, whoever they were up against. So uh, Minigishi gets a, a mention from me. You look a little skeptical, Chris, so I'm not going to push 
too hard, but those two special mentions perhaps in this category. I mean, I'd agree with one. I thought Marwan had a great campaign. I thought Marwan had a great campaign. I think he showed, I think it's quite underappreciated his, his sort of combative nature and his battling qualities. I think, um, you know, like I said, I've played alongside him, played against him, um, coached him. Yeah. And um, I think that's something that's really undervalued with, with him. And I think once he gets into a rhythm, when he's playing regularly, because that was always the issue that we had with him, is actually getting him to play regularly. He had a few injury issues, and we had to sort of deploy him in, in other areas because we were just stacked in, the, in that central midfield position. And he showed his versatility in playing in different areas. And then to see him play, in a, again, in a different role at the latter end of his career, has been brilliant. And I thought he was excellent. I think, he, like you said, he, he demonstrated... Um, some some different attributes of his game that, that's quite um, underappreciated. So I, I definitely would put him in, in, in that mix for sure. I thought he, he's definitely willing and deserving of a mention. The Minigishi one, well, I don't know where that, that, I don't know how much he's paid you to, to mention. I don't think he scored a goal. I can't recall an, a, a, an assist. Maybe it was like the seventh or eighth goal in a 10 0 win or whatever, but I'm not having that one for a second. Um, you know, I think there, there's other players on that team who obviously, you know, the likes of Shiraki Bienve and whatnot. I'm sure they might come up later on in the show, but um, I feel like we're sort of chucking him in there for, for no reason. But I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some, an ulterior motive there, I don't know. But the other three I can get on board with, and I think that's quite a difficult... I think that's a difficult one, mate. I think, um, I think they're all quite deserving, actually. I think yeah. they're all quite deserving, and all for different, for different reasons. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to sit on the fence with this, and I'll let you, I'll let you pull the trigger. Oof, oof, I was going to do the same thing to you. Okay. And now you put me on the plate. Um, good goodness me. My, my, my gut tells me Kenshiro Daniels um, for all the reasons that we mentioned. And I'm going to stick to that. I'm going to stick to that. You know, yeah, Mar Mar Marwin was very close. Marwin was very, very close for me because, as you said, um, the improvement was was incredible, and he he showed like a meanness that we've never seen before. You know, there's like a, a little bit of that aggressiveness to his game now, yeah. um, which I really enjoyed. But Kenny was was on a different level. Kenny was on a different level, so I'm gonna put him there. And as Scott said, he's somebody that he's looking at for the national team. So perhaps um, we'll put him there on that uh, on that pedestal for this one. The breakout I'll, star. Yeah, I'll go. I would go with that too, mate. I think if push comes, I'd, I'd have to agree with you. I think, um, I think for a large portion of that as well, is he carried that burden of the attacking threat, of what was ultimately quite a blunt attack for for Kai, you know. And I think, um, particularly in the PFL performances, he was the one who looked like the major threat. And uh, you know, there's other players that came with you know a lot of fanfare, like you did under Broikers, you know, Joven. Joven Bedek obviously traditionally has been the guy who's been able to be that creative force in, in the in the Kai's attack attacking line. So, you know, unfortunately they, they weren't, you know, firing on all cylinders, but but Kenny was the one who who took on that responsibility, took on that mantle and, and is the one who I think pushed that attacking threat the most on that on that team. So no, I, I would go with Kenny. I I'll agree with that one. Uh, I think right. that's a, that's a fair nomination and a fair um a, a fair awardee for sure. Okay, so two down. We've got uh, three, four more to go. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. Shall we go to Player of the Year, Coach of the Year? You want to do Coach, coach of the Year? Coach of the Year, the coach. Go on. Then. Who, who, have you, who have you got? Again, I think there's a couple that 
I think we'll be nailed on. I, I think obviously we've only, we've only got six to choose from potentially here. Yeah. So, so the coaches are um, on my list. We've got Coach Yu Hoshide, coach of Kai FC Luilo, promoted into the main seat this year. This is his first season in charge. Has overseen um, sort of a revamp of the squad. Three new foreigners and a, a, a sprinkling of new um, local talent as well. A new coaching staff. And uh, he's managed to stay undefeated all throughout the year, including the AFC Cup. And unfortunately, finished second place, a point behind the eventual champions. So uh, that would be the only drawback to his um, uh, campaign. I thought there's a new style as well that, 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 that Kaya are trying to employ, perhaps a little bit more of a passing game um, that they've um, established. Uh, less long balls, at least they have attempted. So I think he gets thrown into the category quite easily in this one. As we said, not too many to choose from, but Coach Yu gets a shout. Um, of course, the champions, United City Football Club, had Frank Muescan, uh, who was their head coach, um, thrown in very late, Chris, but still had to oversee um, a lot of you know uh, their campaign. So Frank, and then obviously... Uh, the team that punched above their weight, Scott Cooper, the coach of the Philippine national team, but also of the Ascos development team. Um, there was a lot of question marks around them. Were they going to be able to step up to the plate um, at this high level? Uh, they did more than that. I think they, they really showed how solid they are. And I think a large part of it was because of the coaching of Scott Cooper. So um, any other names you'd like to throw in there as nominees? No, I think they're the three. They're the three I, I, I would have I picked. Um... Yeah, I think the Hoshida one is it's a difficult one, isn't it? Obviously, when you don't you don't set out to finish second when 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 you're Kaya, right? Your your objective is always to to win win a trophy, win a title. That's always that's always been the case with the club. Um, so obviously, still short of of the marker there. Um, and then you know, getting get the two draws against two oppositions who feasibly should have should have been put in away. Um, I think sort of waters that that down a little bit. Um, I think he's done a good job. I think, like you said, that they, they played they played well in terms of sort of style of play. I think Rashida had a great team at JPV and they played some really good stuff back 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 when he had that that roster. And I think he's obviously looking to implement a similar style. I also think it's difficult because obviously he had those players in mind, like obviously Takashi Ustato. Um, um, sorry, was was yeah. signed, and obviously his his type of player and then, you know, mid, mid season, mid COVID um, uh, pandemic, he obviously left. So again, that dynamic shifts and you're not in a position where you can recruit the type of player that you might necessarily want to fit your style. So um, I think that that's, that's difficult for, for any coach. So I think the real litmus test for him will be how it goes next season in a, in a more, over a period of time, um, an opportunity to embed his, his philosophy a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, not, not not that it's to sort of undermine his work already, but I just think the other two candidates have, have a far stronger argument for, for this particular category. Um, I mean, Frank, I mean, you alluded to there, such a difficult job. I mean, filling Risto Dakovic's boots, I mean, that's got to be one of the toughest gigs in, in a domestic game. Um, and ultimately, he brought home the bacon, so you can't really argue with that. Um, yes, I think... He had obviously his help. He, he had Stefan Schott came in and, and, and worked with him in an assistant coach capacity. Um, I think a lot of coaches will probably go in there 
and would maybe try to change things, would try to uh, implement their own style or philosophy. And I think Frank was really, whether it was by design or, or, or whether it was whether it wasn't, but I think the fact that you just sort of let things flow, let things continue as it as it has been going, uh, and not tinker with things too much actually paid dividends. So um, I think from that perspective, I think he definitely deserves a mention, and his team ultimately you know qualifying for the Champions League, which is which has been the holy grail for um, you know a lot of these Philippine clubs in in, a, in the past few years. In terms of actual coaching, though, I think there's only really one really one contender for this one. I mean, if you actually look at the team, and I don't want to be disrespectful with some of the players on the ADT squad, but it, it wasn't lit, littered with talent. It really wasn't. And only since the competition, you were like, wow, that player's a good player. Or, wow, he's really good. Mm. You know, we, we, we weren't waxing lyrical about some of these guys pre-tournament, right? Pre, pre, um, pre-competition. So, um, obviously, a lot of work's been going on in, on the training field. Uh, obviously, there's been, a you know, very diligent in in the meeting rooms in in the in the hotel lobbies in the in the coffee shops where wherever he's been doing his his his, his, his bits of coaching but um the team looked organized mate they looked the most cohesive the most coherent um and yeah the, the most well-oiled outfit out of anyone in the competition in my opinion watching it from from the outside looking in um so I mean, if you're actually talking about coach, like from an actual coaching perspective, then then for me, there's there's only really one candidate in this uh, in this particular category. I think, right, uh, when you look at coaches as well, it's like, how do you improve your players, right? That that is a huge gauge. Are you improving your players? And and like you said, a lot of these guys, we didn't even know if they could cut it at this level, but instead they came out there played their first two games against the two toughest opposition only conceded one goal in each in those matches and then went on on a tear to finish that match so they improved as uh or the campaign rather so they improved as the 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 season went on and um yeah so scott cooper is my shout as well i believe he really did uh, improve the players at his disposal. And um, a lot of these guys are going to be a lot stronger for the, for the next seasons to come because of this campaign. Yeah, yeah so, I agree. I think the other thing as well, Jing, is we, we, we touched upon it on our interview with him. We, we sort of said if it was like a power ranking type scenario, we might even have them at number two, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously we touched upon it. The, it was almost taken out of their hands, their, their ability to potentially finish second with how the UCFC Kai game ended up with, with you know, obviously they, they, they didn't put out their strongest lineup and they gave an opportunity to other players. It meant that Kaya had, listen, they had to be who was put in front of them, but it was definitely not the same electricity that you might expect from, from you know, two heavyweights going at it, which um, perhaps put a little bit of a dampener on, on the campaign. So, you know, I think that's also something that's worth mentioning in, in, in Scott Cooper's favour is the fact that, you know, ultimately, you know, they, they, they probably could have finished um, in, in second place had, had UCFC have really gone for it and, and really, you know, tried to um, round out the season with, with, with a perfect record. So um, the, the real answer to that was we'll never know. But I think in terms of this category for, for coach, actual coaching, like you said, to getting their best out of, of, of their team and wringing every ounce of um, potential out of it, I think that it has to be Scott. It has to be Scott for this category. There you have it. Scott Cooper, our coach of the year this 2020. That is three awards down, uh, which moves us over to the player of the year. 
player of the year. So this one, ah, wow, this is gonna be. Go on, who you got? Who you got? A, a tough one. Give me the long list. All right. Well, obviously you've got Stefan Schrock. Yeah. Captain of United City Football Club played every single game, every single minute of this competition. Um, was uh, the focal point in their AFC Cup run uh, in the Champions League qualifiers as well. Uh, prior to moving into the AFC Cup, um, leader sets the bar. Um, everything exceptional. You know what I mean? Um, performances on the pitch, off the pitch. Uh, we spoke to him on the podcast, a tremendous character, and I think he's the first person you got to name, which makes naming all the other ones rather difficult, right? Because um, we've set the bar so high already. I think Harvey Goyosa gets a shout uh, for his performance this year, for all the reasons we mentioned earlier in the Newcomer Award. Uh, Benvenido Marañón, I think, still deserves to be on this list because, again, tremendous, right? The level of quality that he provides it seems to like never dip and this season was no exception he was spectacular and whenever they needed a goal Benvenido was there um, he might have missed a few goals where a few attempts where you would expect him to score but he never gets disheartened right the next one's going to go into the back of the net and I think you know UCFC are so strong because they have somebody like Benvenido Marañón at their disposal so those are three Newcomer, also part of the newcomer list. I thought Carlisle was tremendous. Best defender that I saw in the competition. So Carlisle Mitchell will get a shot as well. Those are my four. Okay. Uh, obviously, Pintus would be another one I think we could potentially throw into that mix. Him and, him and Cassis obviously went at it for the, uh, for the golden gloves, yeah. uh, which I know you have a bit of a different... Um, yeah, I have a slight... Logic. Do you want to go through that? I think I mean, maybe Cassis might be one also. I think he, he had a good campaign, to be fair to him. So... I think, you know, when we're talking about awardees, obviously the, the, the golden gloves went to, to Pintus, but, you, you know, I think Cassis was a little bit hard done by. And I know you've got your own version, rendition of how that should have been issued. So go on, this is your opportunity now. Anthony Pintus, taking nothing away from him. Tremendous goalkeeper, right? Uh, great awareness inside the box, aggressive, uh, confident. Um, however, did not play the last game of UCFC where they conceded two goals, which I feel like even he wouldn't have been able to stop. Um, I, I think it was unfair to give him the golden gloves because Casas played all the matches, right? And put in a tremendous performance in the last one. If you're going on statistics alone, it's not fair. Like, he put in yeah. some great performances and Pimpus didn't play the last game. So, uh, yeah. I think they would have been tied at three goals conceded each. And um, I think uh, Casas would have gotten the nod if that was the case, right? Yeah, I agree. I think Cassas, I think we're talking about standout performances, especially for Kai. I think he, he's someone who also deserves a mention along with um, with Carlisle, with Marwin and Kenny as the players who who really pulled that that team together. And uh, yeah, maybe even for, for um, uh, breakout, maybe he could have been one of the breakout players as well. I think he, he had a great season, although he is pretty he is pretty consistent. I mean, he's eight out of ten most games, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. But yeah, I do think he's unfortunate. I think he maybe even deserves a mention for this particular walk. I think he had a great campaign. Um, you know, I think the, the the attacking woes of Kai is, is, is nothing to do with with, uh, with, with Louis Casa. So um, yeah, I think he, he's someone who probably potentially deserves um, deserves a mention. Um, obviously. Shockey was the golden ball winner. So, you know, absolutely 
deserves to be on this list. I think being deployed in a different role, I think also was quite interesting. You know, like he alluded to in his, in his interview with us, like a lot of times he's playing six or eight. Yeah. Is it his preferred position? No. Was he able to showcase him, himself in the best possible way? Maybe not. But it did allow for other players to play in positions that were their preferred positions. And I think that showed his, his leadership side. You know, the, the, the fact that he was able to get other players to play in, in their preferred positions, maybe slightly to the detriment of his performances. Um, but I think to a keen eye, you can see that no, actually it was, it, was, it was what the team needed. And for that, I think you need to get you know, your, your, your props for, for doing that for the team. So I think he, he definitely deserves a, a mention. Bienvenue, I'd agree with Golden, Ball winner, uh, Golden Boot winner or Mendy? Who was the uh, who ended up with the most goals? I forget now. Uh, I, I seem to remember them two going head to head at it. Uh, I, I think I think we ended, ended up on I top. Think but, I think, um, yeah, because you know, it was the usual suspects at the end at the end of the competition there. Um, so yeah, I mean those guys. I would say, I mean it becomes a bit of a UCFC fest, doesn't it? Though when you start to, to um, think of it in, in that way. I'm surprised that uh, Minigishi hasn't got a mention seeing as you're his agent. So I was thinking you're going to try and shove him in there. Um, but on, yeah. I, you got to pull uh, the trigger on this one. I've got, yeah, it's got, it's got to be shocking, isn't it? It's got to be shocking. At the end of the day, he, he's taken on all of the responsibility of that team um, from the coaching side, you know, uh, assisting uh, Frank from playing in a different position to allow others to flourish. And it's just overall performances in the games as well. I think he, you know, he still demonstrated that he's, um, he's, I wasn't saying his twilight years, but I don't even think he's, it's that. I just think he's just getting older, but age is just a number. And I think you look at the likes of him and Bienve and how they look after themselves. They, if they want to, you know, they, they can play in this league for a number of years to come. And um, I mean, look, we, the announcement's just been made that Maniot is, is going to be off um, to, to Malaysia. I've just seen in the last last hour or so that UCSC made the announcement on their social platform so um, yeah I mean maybe we're going to see this sort of he's going to move back um, as, as he goes through his uh, latter stages of his career and be more of a deep line playmaker um, which I can see you know I can, I can see that in, in, in this league he can definitely do that role because obviously being on the wing it takes its toll on its body being up and down you know he hasn't lost any of his pace, but I think he can maybe utilise some of his other attributes and, and be in that sort of deep line playmaker role might suit him. Yeah. Um, so let's see, let's see what happens. But um, for me, it's got to be him. It's got to be him for my for my player of the year. Uh, he was he was the pick from the, from the league. Um, I think he's had a great campaign, and um, ultimately, he, he, he's the captain of the title winning team. So I think it's a pretty easy pick to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh... No arguments from me. So our player of the year, Stefan Schrock, uh, the bar has been set and it's set very high. So everybody is chasing that level of performance right yep. now. Our player of the year. All right. So there we go. We've, we've named a newcomer, the breakout star, coach and player of the year. Uh, before we move on to our Philippine football man of the year, let's take a moment to highlight some of our unsung heroes for 2020. Okay, yep. All right. Go on, um, yeah, okay. First and foremost, I think the football media um, deserve a little shout here. Now, I'm not going to single out one because I think collectively it has been tremendous. Imagine not having any football for seven months, eight months, 
but still being relevant somehow throughout the eight months. That is so difficult to do. I mean, I, I'm part of that group of, of media people who are grasping at straws to try to make ourselves relevant. And um, I'm not part of this list, but the, 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 the outside media, the mainstream media, they've made it spectacular. And how many podcasts have come up that eat, sleep, breathe people, uh, um, you know, Sedelf with his crossover podcast. Uh, you've got Paulo Del Rosario, who is always putting out content. I think the Phil Starr people, the Manila Bulletin, the Tribune guys. It's, it's not easy to keep us relevant. They've managed to do so. And uh, they've done a tremendous job covering um, this sport. And I think uh, that's the reason why a lot of people are looking at football now with renewed hope because they've been presented with just how difficult the circumstances have been and how the Philippine football community has able to overcome it. So I think that deserves a shout. Uh, certainly certainly a, a little bit of a mention, right? The next one, yeah. uh, did you want to chime in there? I was worried at first it was just going to be about you. Like, oh yeah, me and my media friend. You know, that's how I thought. That's how I thought that was going to go down. Like, wow, this guy's really hey, self-indulgent. Today. Hey, you're part of this too. We've got a podcast together. I think yeah, we did. yeah, yeah. Okay, I appreciate that. You're still self-indulgent, right? I mean, you're on it with me too. So yeah. <laughs> go. On, who's your ne- Who's your next one then? Who else you got? Okay, now this one's a bit of a curveball and, and perhaps coming out of left field, right? Um, there's a few guys um, from Tondo who I think made an impact this year. I think not only because of their impact on the field and their quality that they brought, but because it adds a bit of a dynamic to where you can source talent um, in the Philippines. And the reason why I mentioned this is because these guys are on the pitch in the 2020 PFL because of work that was done a decade ago. Because people had the vision to enter Tondo and say that we're going to start a program here and get these kids going, that club now runs itself. These guys all are very proud to be part of Tondo FC or, or, foot, or call themselves Foot Caleros because of the work that was done with very little fanfare behind the scenes by a guy who just had the passion to make it happen. And I think... These people are the ones that will make Philippine football sustainable for decades and decades. If more people like this guy step up to the plate, we're going to have a very exciting future on our hands. So I'm going to throw out Peter Amores out there. Um, Not a lot of people talk about him. Hasn't been talked about in 2020, but he's in the background. And uh, an example of having passion for football and translating it into something tangible. In yeah. a place, perhaps, where you wouldn't expect footballers to come from. A landlocked area in an extremely urban environment in Manila. And these guys have made their way to the top flight of Philippine football. Tremendous. Yeah. Peter Armores deserves uh, a shout from me. So Yeah, just a funny one. With, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Peter. I'm guessing he was the one you, were, you wanted to keep in your back pocket um, mm. as an unsung hero. Um, Peter and I met, must have been 2007 or 8, um, at, one, at the launch of the Foot Cow program. So there was a bunch of us that went to this, uh, to this press conference and uh, we didn't really know too much about it. So yeah, it would have been right around that time, 2008. Yeah, so we're talking 12, 
uh, 12 years ago and, and it was talking about like embarking on this project and you know trying to um i guess reach a different community within the you know the, the football landscape here in the philippines and um yeah i mean he, he's been just quietly been going about his business hasn't he and um obviously um, um kaya picked up um one of the guys from tondo via by the seventh league yeah, yeah. kosami so I think that's great. I think um, that there needs to be more of those initiatives because we're going to uncover these rough cut diamonds in uh, in these types of locations. Um, you know, obviously we got we we had Kevin Goko on on the Another on the one, show, yeah. and he's doing similar types of stuff with the um, with the futsal side. And, and and you've only got to you know talking about sort of media and trying to keep people relevant. I mean, he's really proactive at the moment. Um, various social media outlets just trying to promote uh, all the, the stuff he's doing with the with, with the Moran Foundation um, so yeah I, I totally agree I think these guys who are running these grassroots programs initiatives especially in communities that are underserved or um, where, where you wouldn't imagine football being viable options in these like you said these densely populated urban areas where's the pitch got a basketball court okay you got a flat area let's stick some goals up and let's have a game you know what I mean so I've got I've got a lot of uh, time and respect for these individuals Peter Moore is somebody who's massively under the radar and definitely doesn't deserve the hasn't hasn't got the credit that he deserves so yeah great great shout I'm, I'm totally on board with that with that call last nominee I would say is the broadcast team the broadcast team that brought the product to hundreds of thousands of football fans, not only in the Philippines, but in the region of Southeast Asia and further out. Um, I thought if you deliver a good product, the eyes will open to the, pot to the potential of football to be consumed as a mainstream product for the, the, uh, the general public. And I think they delivered, you know, um, Sadelf being on uh, the head of that, but also Natasha Alquiroz, Nate Berkey, um, Darren Hartman, uh, Paulo Del Rosario. I mean, these guys, man, they, they do it for the passion. We didn't know how much we were going to get paid. We didn't know what was, what was up. You know what I mean? It was like, are you going to be willing to do this? Instantly, these guys are there and they're ready to, to put on uh, the best possible product that they could uh, bring. And um, I thought they delivered, you know, with all the pressure of, trying to get a broadcast deal in place um, deserves a shot for me. So those are my three nominees. If you'd like to add to that list, uh, let me know. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit off, off camera, didn't we, about the, uh, the side graphics. Um, you have to help me with his last name. How, how, how do you pronounce I it? I believe it's Haruda. It's spelled J-A-R-U-D-A. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it takes, it takes a lot of guts, it takes a lot of balls to, to stick your head above the parapet and say, look, guys, this is what's up. You know, uh, whistleblower, whatever term you want to look, want to use. Um, but ultimately, he's stuck up for something um, that's been going on for years. It's been going on for years, and it's still going on. You know, the fact that people, especially here in, in the Philippines, especially within the football community, they do work uh, on the promise of getting paid and, and, and aren't compensated, and it's disgusting. Yep. It's, it's 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 not a nice thing at all, um, and it's it's systemic, unfortunately, within the game. 
Um, and, and for someone to come out and highlight that, um, I don't even know if he has got paging. I think there was, again, promises made that he would be made whole. I don't even know if it's, we're talking nominal figures here, aren't we? I think, I think he said it was something like three and a half thousand pesos or something for his work. But these guys deserve to get paid, like a photographer deserves to get paid, like a, a videographer or a cameraman. You know, these, these guys, yeah, I'm sure they're passionate about their subject. We're all passionate about things. But at the end of the day, you know, we've also got to provide. We've got to put food on the table. So when these people take time and, and effort to put in their, their work and they're not compensated for, then, then that's a problem. That's a big, big problem. So for him to come out... And, and look, after that was a snowball effect, wasn't it? It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the end of that story. And, and yeah, ultimately that, that was the start of the demise of the club formerly known as Global. Um, but, you know, it, it had to be done. It had to be done. It's a shame it ended up that way. But I think, you know, a lot of props to him because he was the first one to do it. And then, it, it, like anything, it just had a snowball effect thereafter. So, um, you know, fair play to him and... Um, you know, I, I hope I hope that doesn't sort of taint his um, his desire to want to stay involved with football because it, it seems like football is, is, is something that he's passionate about. Because I, I do see him doing loads of artwork for different guys, different people. I think he's done some other stuff at different clubs since. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that that that's someone I think deserves a mention because I think that's that's something that's underpinned this year and it's something that's really. Although it's a negative story, it is something that, that's um, that is definitely worth mentioning, in my opinion. And then the other one, really, actually, it sounds a bit cheesy and a little bit corny, but it's actually the fans, like the, 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 the real hardcore Philippine football club. I think that is a massive, massive credit. And you alluded to it there. And I think they deserve to have quality content given to them this year because of all the garbage that they've been through um, this, this past couple of seasons. You know, um, the the... What the battle last year with the whatever the name of the league was last year? Is it the BPL to the, BPL, the back? To, yeah. yeah, BPL to the you know two games. Is it going to go ahead? Is it not going to go ahead? Who's the game against? We're going to change it on the day to somebody else. You know, like I mean, it must be horrible at times to be a Philippine football fan. It must be horrible. You know, like not knowing what fixtures you're going to go and watch when you show up at the stadium. Like, what on earth is is, is going on here? Um, and then obviously the the pandemic didn't help and. You know, as a Philippine football fan, there must be times when you're thinking, oh my gosh, like, why do I do it? You know, what? It's, it's just too hard. It's just too hard to support local football. I want to support someone else. You know, and then when you look at, like, I was looking at the, the, the debate that seems to be raging on, uh, on, uh, on Facebook at the moment, is the, uh, is the teams getting named after sponsors. You know, and if you're a real fan, you must be there pulling your hair out going, oh my God, they're not Rakuten. They're not Fly Emirates. You know, they actually have a name attached to a city or... Yeah, with, with some actual bona fide history. They're not named after, a, a, you know, an airline or a, a cell phone provider. So it's like, what, what, what's going on here? But I think those who really stuck with it were rewarded big time with the quality of the production. Like you said, I mean, how many hundreds of thousands tuned into that first game? Um, the uh, UCFC... Um, ADT. ADT game, yeah. I mean, like, it just shows that it is, it is, it is alive and well. We just got to give them a product um, that they can get on board with. So, yeah, a lot of props has got to go to them because I think they they have been long suffering. It's like you know, it's like a wife who's just had a torrid time, and you know, they they deserve to be taken out for dinner once in a while. Do you know what I mean? Given a nice glass of wine or 
let them have time to get a massage or something. I think that that's how it was for me. I think it was nice that they got, and you could see that, 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 that it was reciprocated. You know, you go to the message boards, you go and see on the Facebook feeds, people are excited, people are talking about it. The debates are raging about the right things. You know what I mean? And that that's that's a massive positive for me. So that, that those those fans who stuck with it, I think they deserve tremendous credit. Um, we didn't even know there was going to be a league at the midpoint. I mean, we even did a podcast. Is this the end? Because it felt like it, Jim. It felt like it was, there was no light at the end of the tunnel at all when when Ceres decided they were going to pull the plug. So you know, for me, they deserve massive credit, the fans. So that's that's the other one. Well, we'll throw into that mix. I'm not sure I only give an award to the, you know, the, those hundred thousand people who tuned in to watch the games, but uh, at least a mention. At least let, let, let's give them a mention there. I'm glad you mentioned it. Actually, I, I'm I'm halfway to giving them the award. Honestly, okay. Like, that's quite good. That's quite a good um, good speech, was it? In no, the, yeah. Oh, okay, it good. Moved it moved me, Chris. No, because it? it it's true. You know, they deserve a huge amount of credit for. The success of this league. I mean, if nobody was there to consume this stuff, if let's say 2,000 people came out to watch that game, we'd be like, oh my God, we went through all this trouble and there was nobody who watched. But no, it was the opposite. You know, they enjoyed it and they made themselves heard. And that's what it's all about, right? At the end of the day, uh, it's about the fans. If yeah. the fans are not there to enjoy the football, then we have nothing. Honestly, there is really nothing. And at times, Philippine football felt that way. Like you're playing in empty stadiums, you're playing to nobody. And it, it was difficult to, to, to pick yourself up and get motivated. But when you play a match and you know 100,000 people watched it, you're like, I'm playing for something. And it, yeah. and it showed to the, the, the players' performances, you know? So 100%, I would say the fans deserve it. And also because uh, I don't want to be self-indulgent and give ourselves awards, you know? <laughs> yeah, I I think that's the right call. Okay, I didn't even that that one that one actually just came to me mid conversation. I didn't know that didn't, that wasn't one I'd have written down. So um, yeah, I think that's a fair one. I think we I think they, do, they deserve some props because they've had it, they've had it hard the last couple of years. So we're giving them a little something this year with the PFL. So little award to say thank you. I think that wouldn't be a wouldn't be a miss. So um, let's, let's move on to the big one. Let's, let's get the one that everyone's been waiting for. All right, this one Philippine football. Man of the year. That's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one, right? Who, who is the guy who moved uh, mountains, right, for this year? Now, 2020 was a difficult one. No need to explain, right? There were so many hoops you had to jump through in order to just have the league be put on, right? It was tremendously difficult, uh, an extreme challenge, but we had a league and Philippine football is on the cusp of something exciting again, which is um, quite crazy when you look at it from the beginning of the year, right? Like you mentioned, we had a podcast talking about, is this the end? And we're in December of 2020 thinking about, ooh, I can't wait for next year, right? It's going to be exciting. Um, and they did it in a shortened season amidst the pandemic. So let's name some individuals um, who might be deserving of this award. Let's begin with Anton Delersar. Oh, no, we can't. We can't even put... Oh, gosh. I'm I, have to, I have to agree with you, yeah, but I mean, we don't want it, do we? <laughs> we want to give him more credit. This guy's everywhere. He's everywhere at the moment. We can't... Which, which is kind of a testament of what, uh, and a reason why he's on this list. I mean, 
The guy has been relentless, right? Seven's football league has been a huge success. And then he's translated that into how can I save the league? We needed one more cast member. He put together Maharlika in two months. What was it? Something crazy. Uh, he's put on a team that actually performed and fought in the competition. It was not just, uh, you know, an, an extra in the, in the cast. Um, and played. As well, uh, at, how old is Anton now? He's, he's about played. 50. He's about 50 <laughs> years old. Um, so, yeah, Tremendous. well done. Tremendous. Well done. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you totally. 100% um, deserves a mention uh, for in, in this category. He, like you said, he put together a team. One without him, there would not be a league. Or if there was, it wouldn't have been um, AFC eligible by, by, by all accounts. So we have to give massive praise for, for, for doing that. Um, I think the main thing that he did this year for me was he gave hope. He gave hope to um, other club owners who might be thinking of putting together a team. Uh, he gave hope to individuals who think, well, okay, if, I, if he can do it in two months or however, whatever the finite amount of time that he had to put it all together, yeah, we, we could do that. We could, we could put a team together in, in a short period of time and make it competitive. And the, the other one I want to say is not only did he make it, competitive but the fact that he managed to win a game for me is one of the fairy tale stories of, of this season because they had no right to, to, to win a PFL game no right whatsoever like if you think about all the players he was talking about bringing in um, you know, he, he, it was the promise of a star-studded celebrity lineup. I think, yeah, he, he, my name was touted for a while. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden, you know, Shocky saying that he's he's, he's going to be the number one title. And if I was to play, it would have been a different kettle of fish. But you know, obviously, when you go into a bubble, all of that came crumbling down. You know, you can't expect a lot of these guys to to go into the bubble for two weeks. So to have a competitive team then become a, uh, a team that won a game in, in, in the PFL for me was just, yeah, absolute fairy tale stuff. So I think he's done an incredible job, incredible job to, um, to just not only put together a team, be competitive, but for, yeah, give hope to, to other people in and around the, the, the football landscape, I think is massive. So massive, massive props to him. Definitely deserving of, uh, of a mention in this category for sure. My next one, uh, imagine being placed in charge of a league uh, where you're facing the most difficult of circumstances. Uh, we already mentioned that it was a pandemic stricken year. You push the start of the league. Okay, so the lockdowns happened a week before the league was about to start. And um, you've got to navigate the pulling out of one club negotiating and talking to Anton to try to bring this together so that he could have a team involved, then having to deal with a, a slight COVID scare inside the bubble and having to deal with local government units and uh, having the competition continue and in the way, in the fashion that it did, uh, Coco Torre, the commissioner of the Philippines Football League in his, uh, is this his first season in charge? Or oh, no, no, no. He had, no, I think he had one last year as well, no? Yeah. He, he, was, he was in charge last year, um, but this year was his biggest test. And I think no one envied that position 
right? It's almost like you're set up to fail <laughs> in this spot, but instead he's passed with flying colors. So I think the main man himself, Coco Torre, deserves to be in this category of Philippine football man of the year. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, when I thought about this category, he was the number one candidate for me. Um, just to get it off the ground alone, like you said, with all of those things, roadblocks in the way, I mean, gosh, it just seemed relentless. Just like one thing after another, you know, like, is this thing going to get to come together? No, it's not. We've got COVID. Okay, massive, massive problem. Global pandemic, big issue. The biggest club then folds. Big problem. Is this the end? Can't see it happening. Not enough teams. Global, are they going to be in? Are they going to be out? Probably arguably the second biggest club in the Philippines. They fold. Amidst the scandal, you know, where they're not paying their players, you know, the, the contracts, promises made, uh, who's in charge, we don't know. All of these things, and he's got, to, he's got to be involved in all of this. He's got to have his finger on the pulse in all of these issues. We need a new team. Can you get a team together? Can you get a team together? And then still manage to obviously keep that process moving forward as well. I think that's the most difficult thing. One thing I've noticed in the Philippines, it's, it's always very compartmentalized. It's always like, right, well, if everything's contingent on this happening before I move on to the next thing. We, there, there's no way that the league could have happened right. if, if that was to happen. If someone was like, right, we've got to wait until we get the six teams and then I'll worry about putting all the pieces together. It never would have happened. He, he was spinning so many plates at one time. It must have been unbelievable. I think it was you who said it. It was like, when inside that community or at the field or, or wherever it was once it under, started to, 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 to push through, push forward, he was the calmest guy in the room, according to so many different people. You know, and I think that, like you said, although, although it's been a huge test, I think what's happened is, like Anton giving hope to other people, I think he's given everyone confidence in the fact that he can put together a product that's better than anything we've seen since the UFL days in unbelievably trying circumstances. So if he can do it there, you know, imagine with a bit of time, more resources, a, a, a better platform to operate from, then he's only going to bring the league from strength to strength. So uh, I know we've been trying to get him on the podcast. Hopefully we'll get him on soon. There's a, there's a hashtag out there, uh, announce Coco. I think that, that's, that, that's starting to gather pace. So let's see what happens. But um, now for me, he's, he's taken a lot of flack as well during this window. But I think his, his master plan was, was always seemingly uh, in his head. So um, I, think he's, I think he's an absolute shoo-in for, uh, for this category um, and definitely deserving of the nomination, 100%. Now, each one of our award categories had at least three nominees, but I think yeah. we just put the full stop right here. Do you want to well, add anybody else? Well, I think Eric Gottschalk. Um, is, is that Gottschalk? Gottschalk, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, my German's not great. Um, I think he deserves a mention. I think, um, to, again, to piece that very, oh, what a minefield that must have been. Obviously, you're taking on a juggernaut there and you're trying to convince big name players, national team players, superstars of the domestic game, and convince them that this is a project that we're trying to get off the ground. You know, are you on board? Are you with us? And, and, and convince pretty much everyone on that team to, 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 to join them. 
with this campaign. I think that's massive. I think it's massive. I think if you mention Eric, though, I think you have to mention Ace Bright. Ace Bright was the man who, yeah, yeah, who facilitated a lot of that. So, I think Ace deserves a mention as well. Yeah, I think obviously Ace, Ace was probably the one who, who plucked Eric out from from his from his uh, from his lineup. So I think he deserves massive credit for that too. Um, so I think yeah, we can we can mix them in together for for, for that one. I think that's a, that's a great shout. Um, because again, like like we said about Anton, if they hadn't have, have done that, if they hadn't been so diligent about their work to ensure that all of those players signed on the dotted line, um, put together a team to compete in the competition and ultimately qualify for the thing they've been dying to qualify for for a number of years, then you know it's we, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, we'll have a very different one, um, and we're very few nominees on on our list. So. Um, I think Ace been on there as well. That's, I think that's a great shout. I think it's a great shout. So I would say those, those two can um, can join can join the pantheon of greats that we already have in that uh, in that nomination category. So yeah, okay. Well, I mean, even better. We've got three, three. Well, three, four, four. If you add Ace, yeah, so four. Right. Anton, Eric, uh, Ace, and and Coco. I, I for me, Coco obviously is is. He's at the top of that tree in terms of he's the one obviously trying to make sure that all of those components are are in place in order to make sure that that league went ahead. So I think no matter what, he was the you know, the buck stops of him. So if, if 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 the league didn't go ahead, he would be responsible. And that's I mean that must have been a heavy burden on his shoulders. So if I had to pick one from that lineup, although all four are deserving, I would probably say Coco. He would probably be my pick. Um, I know he's a close friend of yours, so um, no nepotism involved here, but <laughs> what's, 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 what's your take out of those, those four? I think him being a close friend of mine makes it even harder for me to pick him. But yeah. even with that, um, I think he still deserves it. You know, I 100% believe he deserves it because of all the things we've mentioned, plus the fact that the confidence level in Philippine football is so high now, and he has such a big part to play in that. All the club, all the clubs that were already willing to participate—Mendiola, Stallion, Kaya—and uh, who am I missing out here? Uh, did, I, did I mention Mendiola already? Um, ADT. Anyway, ADT, right? These teams—they um, could have easily pulled out as well, right? If there was not enough confidence that the person in charge could pull it off. And he convinced not only those guys, but new members to join in as well. And there are rumors that there are other clubs already looking towards next year. So not only has he pulled this one off, he's going to expand and create even something bigger next year. Um, yeah, we know, especially in the background, everything that he had to go through. So many troubles that um, seem to pop up every single day. Something new. And... Um, he, he swatted it away with nonchalance. So Coco Torre is my pick as well. And I think we agree. Our yeah. 2020 Philippine football man of the year, Coco Torre. And that is what are we going to give him? I've got, I've got some old medals. This one, what's this one? Paulina <laughs> Alcantara's uh, medal from... Uh, Couple of years back, I'm sure I've got some old five-a-side medals downstairs. I'll, I'll I'll put them in a box and send it his way. We'll send uh, it over to him in Bacolod. He's 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 rested right now. I saw that. Yeah, well-deserved break. I hope, hope he enjoys it. But uh, no, thoroughly deserved that one. I think it's uh, 
ad- admirable what he's done this year. Admirable. Um, so get his rest in, and hopefully we'll see him back for the uh, for the 2021 edition. And that's it. Uh, we've gone through six awards. I think we've had a great discussion about the people that stood out this year. Um, I really enjoyed that, Chris. Good, mate. That no, was good. I didn't really know how it was going to pan out after our first annual awards. Um, but no, I'm, I'm happy with those selections. I think they're all deserving. All the nominees, um, all, of the, all of the guys who won the awards, I think that's, that, that's, that's a fair reflection of what happened over the course of the year. Look, if there's anyone out there, if the fans are out there and they disagree, agree, or if there's any blasphemy, like obviously they're going to go at the Kaya players that we've nominated... Uh, that's normally par for the course. That's, that's the abuse that we get when we make these uh, you know, pro-Kaya uh, decisions. But um, I'll be interested to see what the fans think as well, because ultimately, they, uh, like you said, they're the ones who I think have, have made this year special also. So if they have any um, of their own picks, any disagreements they want to share with us, we're always welcome. They're always welcome with us. So um, I'll be interested to see if they have any differences of opinion and they can share that with us anytime. That's right. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Uh, If you joined us uh, along for the ride on this award show and you enjoyed it, please do subscribe and share it with a friend. We're on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. And that is it. The 2020 Awards show on Across the Line. We will catch you next week on the next Football Friday.